Hey, I'm so glad to be back for my second season. I was gone a little longer than I had planned. Personally, lots of things have happened in our family over the past couple months. And of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I needed to focus on just being present with my family and, um, and with my life. So now things have settled down a little and we're getting used to a new normal like the rest of the world. And I'm so excited to share with you all the things I've been doing and learning over the past couple months. This season, I'm going to focus on a series called The Transformation Project. In this series, you will get to hear 15 interviews with professional women who've had personal or professional traumas and have come back even stronger than they were before. Some of these women are way past the sting of their pain because it's been a long time. They've come through great adversity and have grown into something far greater than could ever have been possible before. Some of the women are still close into the pain, still feeling the sting of it. But out of each of their pains has grown something beautiful. And now they find themselves headed in a different direction that they never imagined possible. These past several weeks, I have been recording such interesting and inspiring interviews from women all over the world. I can't wait for you to hear them all. So welcome back glad you're here. I hope you're safe and that you're using this time to grow and learn and become something new. So welcome to season two of I Used to Be a Therapist. I'm Dr. Wendy Bruton and I used to be a therapist. Welcome to my podcast. Each week I'll be sharing life stories, interviews, and information that I know will be of value to you and to your life lives that you touch. If you need a therapist or just someone who used to be a therapist, I hope that this is a place where you feel valued, valuable, and learn to move forward from what you used to be. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to season two. This season, we are doing a series called The Transformation Project. And today I get to share the first interview with you. I'm talking today with Rhonda Sher. Rhonda is an author, a public speaker, a coach, and she is known as the LinkedIn diva. She's a mom to two grown daughters and married to the same man two times. This is the story we get to hear today. Rhonda shares about her experience of getting divorced and then remarried to her ex-husband after six years. Her journey taught her so many valuable lessons that have made her even more effective in her personal and professional life. I know you're going to enjoy this interview. Let's listen in. Well, Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us. I feel very honored that you're here and I'm excited about getting to chat with you. Well, I'm happy to be here, Wendy. I think it's going to be great. So let's jump in and ask away. Good, good, (laughs) good. I'm excited. Okay. So first of all, let's just tell us a little bit about yourself, just what you do during the day and... Sure. So uh, I'll just, I'll start with the work stuff and then we'll kind of go backwards if that's okay. Perfect. So, you know, right now we're in this sheltered in place, Mm -hmm. right? And people are working from home. And for me, 
What's really interesting, Wendy, is not much has changed um, <laughs> because I work at home and, you know, I kind of got named the LinkedIn diva. I didn't give myself that name. Somebody gave it to me. But then I went out and got the domain name, right? Nice. But, um, I'm actually a LinkedIn expert. I wrote a book called The ABCs of LinkedIn, Get LinkedIn or Get Left Out in 2009. Wow. And, um, yeah. And before that, I was teaching. I wrote a book called The Two-Minute Networker. So I was teaching people how to network offline. Mm -hmm. So what I do now, basically, is I teach people how to, I call them the three Ps, how to show up on LinkedIn, how to present, also how to prospect in a non-salesy way, and then finally, um, how to profit. So most people are like in what I called uh, witness protection in LinkedIn, which means they are superstars, but nobody can find them. I'm in that category. Yeah, well, you're not alone. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> so, so that's what I do. And uh, that's the business part of me. The How I got here is actually much more of a fun story of transition. I don't know that I would use the word fun, actually, because um, there were a lot of dark periods in it, uh, mm -hmm. including you know, divorce and, you know, losing my mom and all kinds of stuff, which I'm happy to share the story with, because what I hope will happen when people hear the story is that they'll be touched, moved and inspired to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. That's that what they we're can looking actually for. do anything they want. I'm really looking forward to hearing your story because there's so many people out there, right, that are in the middle of their story and haven't got to the end of their story. Yep. And so it's it's so encouraging to be able to talk to people who've gotten through it to the end of their story, or at least not the end of the story, but at least the end of that that hard part. And yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think for me, you know, when I look at it relatively now, I got married relatively young. You know, I have two daughters that are 28 and 30 and I was married at 24. Oh, yeah. And most of my friends were, too. That's the thing that's interesting. So I was married for 28 years and I had, you know, it took a long time to get pregnant, too. I was married for nine years before we had kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he, my husband traveled a lot. So it was really challenging. You know, I was just the built in babysitter for all my friends because I wanted a kid so much. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until I was about 30 um, that we even started trying. And then it took another five years, right, to get pregnant. So I was sort of an older mom, right? Mm -hmm. And so while my kids were growing up, you know, we were always in love. That was the thing that was interesting. I met my husband when I was 14 had my first date with him at 19 and remember coming home and saying to my dad, that's the guy I'm going to marry. And my father was like, yeah, okay. You, you don't know what you're talking about. You were 14. 19. 19. Ni 19. Okay. You were 19. 19. I was a sophomore in college and I had my first date with Bob. And I said to my dad, cause my dad had seen me. I was, I was a great dater. And the reason I was such a good dater is because I wouldn't put out. So I never really got a lot of second and third dates. So I had a lot of first dates, right? <laughs> and so I, but I knew because Bob is really a lot like my dad. Mm -hmm. And I said to him when I came home from our very first date, and he took me to see the Bad News Bears. I'll never forget that. That's hilarious. And I said, that's the guy I'm going to marry. And my father said, you don't know what you're talking about. And I said, I'll remind you of that when you walk me down the aisle. Mm -hmm. which I did <laughs> in 1980. Wow. So we were married for 28 years. And for most of it, it really was a love story. We had dreams, you know, he traveled a lot, but we had, I was raising two amazing kids, worked part-time. And then 
um, about 10 years ago, I guess it was, 2009, 2000, yeah, 2008, 2009, life kind of fell apart. Mm. And my mom died and the market crashed. Nobody, by that time I had left my corporate job. So nobody was hiring speakers. Nobody was looking for people to teach them how to network. I had a cancer scare. Our house was short sales. And um, my husband said, you know, he, oh, and I was in the middle of menopause. So I was literally, you could look at me wrong and I would scream. I would cry. I was just, I had no idea. I was so hormonally imbalanced. Mm -hmm. And all he wanted was peace and quiet. So we didn't fall out of love, but we fell out of like, and we got divorced. My Mm -hmm. youngest was a senior at high school. My oldest was a sophomore in college Mm -hmm. and we were divorced for six years. And for those people, especially now, think about it. There are so many people that are in marriages that are not happy and yet they can't do anything because we're sheltered in place. Can you imagine? Yeah. And so for me, Every lesson that I needed to learn in my life showed up in the six years we were divorced. I literally had a couple of relationships, got engaged in between, and um, (laughs) this was one of the best stories. So we had an amicable divorce. And um, at one point, I was on one of the dating services and it was OkCupid. And I get a match. And it's my husband, a 97% match. Are you serious? And he gets me as a 97% match. And neither one of us knew we were on the site. Oh my goodness. So we, we figured out it was, you know, too soon, too early to even go there. It, it was really interesting because I had a couple of relationships and I really learned from every person that I was with what I needed to learn about myself. Every person was a mirror. And as a therapist, you know, this, mm-hmm. every person that showed up in my life was a mirror for the lessons I needed to learn. And then, you know, the door would close, they would leave, I would learn more about myself. And I ended up getting engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that was that I did not want to live with somebody if I wasn't engaged. That wasn't what I wanted to set as an example for my daughters. Mm -hmm. So we got engaged. And what I realized was I went to my complete opposite. I went to somebody that wanted to live a small life. Mm -hmm. I wanted to live a big life and didn't know it. You know, I had no idea what my future was going to look like. And so what happened along the way was my really generous ex-husband at the time was no longer giving me spousal support. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out how I was going to make money. It was because the guy I was with just didn't have the finances to support two of us. And so I remember so clearly I... um, decided, okay, I can use LinkedIn. That's my superpower. I'm a connector. That's my superpower. And so um, I had gotten my life insurance license because in the past I had been doing group employee benefits when I was selling. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this might not be that hard. So I called a friend who I knew was doing it. And I said, hey, can I make money doing this? And she's like, absolutely. So I got my life insurance license, started using LinkedIn. And literally within six weeks, I was making about six grand which is what I needed to make to cover myself. And I won a contest. This was like in April of 2015. And I knew the relationship I was in was not the right relationship. As time went on, it was really clear to me, he was a really, really great guy. 
It just wasn't the right one for me. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so as I'm sitting in this hotel room in Arizona, after I won this contest for life insurance, mm-hmm. right? I swear to you, I was sitting on my bed, drying my hair in bed, playing backgammon on my iPad. And I was so happy. Like mm-hmm. I just had such clarity. I was like, I'm alone and I'm happy. Because when I was first alone, when I got divorced, I literally slept with a baseball by my bed and a chair under the door. I had never been, I never lived alone. I had gone from college sure. to roommates <laughs> to marriage, Sure. right? So here I am in my fifties living alone. So now I'm alone and I had such clarity that I was happy by myself in this hotel room. I love that. And interestingly enough, I did a vision board that year. This was 2015. And my vision board said, and a picture of the two of us, that the guy I was engaged to, and it said, happily ever now, not happily ever after, right? So when I got back, I was so clear that this wasn't what I wanted. And so we amicably just parted ways. Oh, I forgot the best part. So in January of 2015, I was seeing a therapist because I wanted to get my life back on track in terms of making money, you know, getting a better relationship with my daughters. And I said to my therapist, and you got to remember, I'm engaged, right? And I said, you know, if somebody had a magic wand, I'd want to be married to Bob again. And she looks at me and she said, Rhonda, if you actually are thinking like this, you need to really kind of look at things. You're not you're engaged to somebody else. You need to figure out how to get your money back on track. You're very bright. You know, you need to really step into being you and you need to listen to your intuition. And I took that to heart. That was really about the time that, you know, my business started, all of that. But here's the funny part. I called my husband and I said, and I knew he was in a relationship at the same time. He was in a three-year relationship as well. And I said, so just the giggles, just for giggles, if I was single and you were single, would you date me? And his answer was, no effing way. And I was like, okay, well, thanks for letting me know. I, he had already invited me to go to um, an event on Mother's Day. Do you know what Landmark is? Landmark Education, the Landmark Forum, it's personal development. No, I've not oh. heard of it. So what happened was through the process of you know, meeting new friends and all of this other stuff. I found out about the forum, didn't do it at the time, but this was actually kind of funny. So I had, when I was dating the first guy I started dating when I got divorced, I wanted to find other couple friends and there were no meetup groups that would let us in because we weren't married, we weren't living together. So I said, well, okay, if there aren't any groups, then guess what? I'm going to create one. So I started a meetup group called Fun Fun Couples After 50 in North County, San Diego. (laughs) I grew it from six couples to 70 couples. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was like, it it actually broke off to two meetups. It was so great. And then I broke up with the guy. And so they were having a party for the Oscars at someone's house. And now these were all my friends, right? Uh So I called my ex-husband at the time and I said, Hey, I need a date. Will you come to this party as my friend? So he did. And little did I know that he found out about the landmark forum through one of the boyfriends or husbands of the women there. So he did the forum. Now, this was so far from what my husband would have done. He was not into personal development. He was not. That was me, Uh not him. Right. 
And when I saw him, I don't know, it was months afterwards, I went, who are you? And what did you do with Bob? He had lost all this weight. He was different. And he said, I told you, I did the form. If you want to do it, I'll pay for it. So I ended up doing it. And that was what started to open me up to the world that I didn't have to drag my past into my present and that I could actually live in a world of possibility and surround myself with people that were just like that. So he was part of this course called Wisdom. And in Wisdom, you do an autobiography, which is a page for every year of your life. And in the process of doing his autobiography, he realized how much we were in love. Like the stuff that, you know, people have in marriages that are just, it's just silly. But at the time, it's really real, right? Mm -hmm. So he had invited me on Mother's Day to come to this event with this group, Wisdom Through Landmark. And I knew that our daughters weren't going to be around on Mother's Day. So I said, sure, I'll go. And I knew some of the people because I had taken some of the courses. So let me backtrack, okay? So April was when I split from the fiance. Okay. And I had no idea, none, what was on the other end of that. Didn't know where I was going to live. Didn't know. I was just trusting that this was the right thing to do. Have you ever had that? You just trust your instincts? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't know if this is going to be the best decision or the worst decision, but you just say, I'm just, I know I have to do it. Exactly. And here I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be alone again. Because remember, my husband had said there was no effing way he was going to date me again. Right. So I'm like, okay. All I knew was where I was. It's almost like if you have a four pair of shoes that are way too small and your feet are killing you, mm -hmm. that's what it felt like. I had way outgrown everything. And so didn't know where I was going to live, didn't know what I was going to do because our lease was going to be up shortly. So on that Sunday, that Mother's Day, you have an opportunity at this event to introduce your guest. So I was the guest. And when you introduce the guest, what you do is you say who they are to you. It's not like you introduce them to the room. And my husband, in all the years we were married, I think I've only seen him cry three times. Once when the Red Sox won the World Series. Nice. <laughs> When uh, my father died mm -hmm. and tears of joy when the kids were born, right? Uh -huh. That's the only time I've ever seen him cry. And he said, you're my ex-wife, but you've always been my wife and I've always loved you. And he starts crying and I start crying and 200 people in the room start crying. And it's like, do you want to do this again? And I said, well, only if we get married. And he said, well, that's the only way I would do it. So we started dating and the universe is just an amazing thing. Because remember, I had no idea where I was going to live and I couldn't afford to stay in the apartment that I was living in. And so I said to all of the women friends that I had, hey, if you know of anybody that is looking to sublet or needs a roommate, because I had a whole bunch of stuff. And I wasn't going to move in with my husband. And by the way, my kids were not in favor of this. They did not want us getting back together. That was the last thing they wanted. Interesting. Well, See, I was always, their memory of me was I was the crazy woman. At the end, I was a nutty menopausal nut. And I was always the one that said no, right? He was the good guy. Mm -hmm. And I really, even though he was the one that said, you know, we're not going to do this. I was really the cause and didn't know, honestly didn't know until I went to a doctor that my thyroid was so off that that's why I was crazy. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that that was, I was so hormonally imbalanced. Mm -hmm. with the combination of everything else happening at the same time, my mom dying, my business collapsing, it was, and our house was upside down completely. So it was just 
you know, everything coming at once. And what happened was um, one of the gals that I knew said, oh my gosh, you know, we, I know somebody who's looking for someone to house it. I ended up having this house in Scripps Ranch, a 3,000 square foot house furnished with an empty garage to put all my stuff in with housekeepers for $1,000 a month. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? No. Like the universe, I knocked and the universe answered. That's awesome. And so because the landmark stuff was all in San Diego, my husband was coming to San Diego from Murrieta fairly often. So, you know, I had this empty, huge house. It was amazing. So we literally dated each other. And then in December, I was, that was when I was done with this house. And then I moved back in Murrieta where he was living. We had short sailed the house that we lived in together when we were married. And he ended up renting a house in the same complex. So it was literally around the corner. Nice. So I moved in and he had, oh, he had already bought that house. So he rented it. And by then when I moved in, he had already bought it. So he was leasing it and then he purchased it. So I moved into a house that I had never lived in before. And the kids did not want us to get married again. Like they literally did not want this to happen. And again, we sought out some therapy and we knew that it would take time. And it was really difficult. It was probably one of the biggest challenges. And we decided that we were going to get married at the begin at, in February because I was on COBRA. Mm-hmm. And it was ridiculously expensive. And for him to put me on his health plan was free. Right. So we were going to get married anyway. So we went to Vegas <laughs> and my we live streamed it. And my younger daughter came. My older daughter didn't. And we got married February 13th of 2016. So I, I jokingly say I have a husband and a husband. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to change my name and the kids are ours. <laughs> for us, it was great. But the challenges were still there because I still had so much healing to do with kids. And the dream for me was to, for all four of us to have a vacation together mm. to, cause for me, that was truly healing. And that's what I kept telling the universe I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, my business started to really take off and now it's thriving to the point that my husband's going to be able to retire because I'm doing so well which is amazing. But the real, real gift in all of this is that last December, we went to Denver where my older daughter lives and we rented an Airbnb and all four of us spent the Christmas holiday together and we had a blast. And, and through all of that, you know, if you think of a roller coaster, that's what my life was like. I had huge highs and unbelievable lows to the point where sometimes I never thought, you know, one of my girlfriends said, you're in the soup, mm-hmm. which is, you don't know how you, cause it's so dark, you know, you don't know how you're going to get out. Yeah. And at the end of it also, here I sit, we just had our fourth anniversary, if you want mm-hmm. to call it four mm-hmm. or 40 in October, if you count six off for good behavior. Right. <laughs> and, and we really have this amazing life. We're, we're really living the dreams that we had in our twenties, taking vacations. Mm-hmm. And we laugh all the time. We wear stupid um, Hallmark movie sweatshirts at Christmas that match each other, right? Look at it's that. so much fun. But but the reality is that there were a lot of really dark moments. Mm-hmm. Not moments; they were were like years mm-hmm. through all of that. Yeah, and that's really the story. That's that's a that's a good story. I mean, those are some good words there and some good points of wisdom there that I'm going to have to 
think some more about, I think. But I do want to go back a little bit. And I want you to go to that time when, you know, maybe it was that one time, right, that you all of a sudden knew that what I had expected, like you were saying, you know, I had this kind of fairy tale, everything was great. And that one moment when you knew things were going to change. Do you? I do remember it because, <laughs> you know, my husband always used to get up earlier than me. You know, he was always the one. He's a, He is a man of routine. I love that about him. That's why he's so successful because he has routines, right? Sure. And this particular morning, he was sleeping a little bit later and I had to be up much earlier and my alarm didn't go off. And I remember saying to him, why didn't you wake me? And he, he was like, so taken off guard, like, why didn't I wake you? That's not his job, right? That was not his job. And that was really the beginning of the end. Because what I forgot, Wendy, what I totally lost sight of was appreciation. Mm. I took him for granted. This man is a prince. This man is truly treats me like a queen and always has. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there isn't a bad thing we could have ever said about each other. He might have been able to say some things about me, but he didn't. And that's when I knew that it was, it was, it was done. I just, that was, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. You knew that in that moment, you know, I always like to ask people like in that very moment, I I like to ask you, where did you feel it in your body? Do you remember that visceral I experience? I do. Because for me, it's always in my throat. It's in your throat. So you it's knew right in my throat. there. It's like, um, if you, you think about it, you know, it's just like this huge ball that stops you from swallowing mm-hmm. that lump. Sure. And then you have this feeling in your throat and you know, and what is the thought that kind of comes to mind in that moment? I wish that I could have had a rewind. I wish that I could have known he's not responsible for waking me up, even though it was inevitable. Mm-hmm. And that was just, you know, it was, it didn't matter what it was, but what I didn't know at the time, you know, they, they say a blind spot is you don't know what you don't know, right? Sure, of course. What I couldn't see was how horrible I was acting. It was everybody else in the world was wrong mm-hmm. because I couldn't see that my hormones were so out of whack. Sure. I'm, I'm one of those junkies. I love watching The Bachelor and, oh my God, I'm actually saying this in public, right? I watch <laughs> Married at First Sight. And I watch these shows because I love human nature. Yeah. And I, I look at some of these young women on there, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was watching a show the other day and it was um, Married at First Sight, Second Chances. That was the name of the show. And, and the women, they were living together for a week, right? And the first night they're sharing a bathroom and the loofah drops on the floor in the shower. And the guy didn't even notice it. Like, you know, and, and that would have been me. You know, I wouldn't have noticed that I left dishes in the sink. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm just oblivious. Mm-hmm. And this woman was like, how could you not pick up my loofah? How could you not see that? You know, and he's like, it's just a loofah. And so for me, there was like a whole series of that. And I was that crazy woman that said, why didn't you pick up my loofah? Mm-hmm. And what I couldn't see is that morning, it was like, there's no going back. And I think the feeling I felt was sheer panic. Like, what am I going to do now? I'm going to be a woman in my 50s single. This yeah. is what I signed up for. Yeah. You all of a sudden realized your reality. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. It was dark. Right. It happens. So then you go into this place 
And you said you you kind of went through this six years of personal development, maybe, right? (laughs) Right? Yeah, dating again, and oh my gosh, sure. But but just think about yourself. Like, what are the lessons that you had to learn? The development that you had to go through. What were some of those specific lessons and um, character building pieces? I mean, what was that? That's for a you? great question. And and you know, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned was that I didn't have to react to everything that happened. Like I actually had a choice on how you handle it. And and if you look at what we're dealing with now, right, we're all sheltered in place. Sure. So I can choose to take this time to, you know, build different aspects of my business, you know, get closer to my husband or like some of the people I know say, oh, my God, I'm so bored. Like, how could this be happening? Blah, blah. You know, and I'm looking at it as I'm grateful. I look at those six years as the greatest gift I could have ever gotten wrapped in sandpaper. I love the way you say that. I, you wrote that in a thing to yeah. me, said that it was like your greatest gift wrapped in sandpaper. And I love that image. Because that happens with so many things that we go through that create transformation, right? Yeah. And I I think one of the other biggest lessons that I got is I I got the ability to look at the world through somebody else's eyes. So I'll give you an example, okay? I never realized how my daughters could see things, right? And there was this one time when my daughter was in college and I was coming back from an event and I said, Oh yeah, let me stop by. I'll, you know, we can go to Vons or whatever mm-hmm. and go food shopping. And so I gave her my ATM card and I said, okay, I'll just wait in the car because my feet were absolutely killing me. Right. And she comes back and she's so mad and I have no idea why. And I didn't find out until years later that all the other moms would go shopping with their daughters. Right. So if I could have seen the world through her eyes, I would have gone in there barefoot, you know? And so one of the biggest lessons I got is just stop and look at the world through somebody else's eyes. Like, how does it look? Because then you look at yourself and it's really different. Yeah. Right. And the other thing I would say is know that there's a silver lining behind everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, that that gift wrapped in sandpaper. Yeah. Every person that I met male, female, it doesn't matter, whatever relationship, I learned something. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I really learned is, and this is a big, big takeaway, okay? And I didn't know this until after. You can't see something in somebody else that doesn't exist in yourself. Mm. So, you know, when I would see somebody that was very short-tempered or whatever it was, you know, that, I didn't like about myself. I could see it so clearly in them and it would bug me. And what I didn't realize was I was just looking in the mirror. Yeah. And that's a huge lesson. It's a huge lesson. I, I'm wondering how you got from this like fear moment of, Oh my gosh, I want to go back. I'm panicked. I don't know what I'm going to do from that moment to, okay, I need to move forward and do something to make my life better. How did you get from that, you know, from one to the other? I actually worked with a life coach and I knew, you know, I'd always had a belief. I've always had one, two beliefs. One is that I had an angel on my shoulder. I've always believed that. And the second thing was that whatever I needed was going to show up for me. I didn't know how it was going to show up. I didn't know who it was going to be or what it was going to be, a book, a person, whatever. 
I always had that trust that whatever I needed was going to show up. And sure enough, it turned out to be a life coach and, you know, it turned out to be friends. And so that's what I held on to maybe by the skin of my teeth, but I held on to the fact that I knew I was going to come out on the other end. And the funny thing was um, when we went to the divorce mediator, I still remember this. He looked at me and he said, so Rhonda, when do you think you're going to remarry again? And I said, I don't know, six or seven years. And I just never imagined it was going to be to the guy that I was standing there (laughs) divorcing. Right. And and I still remember we called the divorce mediator when we got back together because we were friends with them. And we said, hey, you know, we're we're back together again. And and so my husband, he's funny. He goes, yeah, do we get a refund? He said, no, but we can go on a double date. Oh, that's fun. That is fun. (laughs) Okay. So I have another question. What lesson do you think you learned through this experience that you could not have learned any other way? A great question. What lesson? The lesson I think I learned is to get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Um, ask for help. Really, it's ask for help because if you go through it alone, it's a hundred times harder. Yeah. And if it's uncomfortable, then you're in the right place. Because the only way out of discomfort is to stand in the discomfort. And it's horrible. It's like, oh, could you imagine if you're standing in a room full of mosquitoes, right? And they're just, you know, you're so itchy. And the only way to get to the other side is just to breathe Mm -hmm. and be in the discomfort. Those are some good words right there. Some really good words of wisdom about just going through it, right? Rather than avoiding it or numbing it or whatever, but just to be okay and know that you're okay, even though you're uncomfortable and really, really, even in in pain, really, right? Yeah. And be okay with the fact that you're uncomfortable. Mm. It's, you know, what I didn't know, and I think a lot of people would probably agree with this is you think it's going to kill you, right? You really do. It's so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And yet we're so much stronger than we think we are. Mm-hmm. And and until you're in something like this, you would never imagine that you could live through it. You know, mm-hmm. I I lost my dad when I was 30 and I thought I'll never survive that. You know, and I remember and he died six weeks from diagnosis of lung oh, cancer. He was a chain smoker. And I remember all of my friends and it was like they didn't want to know about it because it was almost like it was contagious. Mm-hmm. Right. The pain was contagious. Yeah. yeah. So so everything that we go through makes us stronger if we allow that, right? Yeah. Every experience we have, we build on. So the, So it's really a question of choice. Do you choose to move forward, you know, and be comfortable with the uncomfortable? Or do you choose to be a victim? Mm-hmm. And the advice I would say is ask for help. And understand it's choice. You can be a victim, but guess what? Nobody wants to be around you. If you can pull yourself up, then everybody else is going to keep pulling you up and you go higher. Mm-hmm. If you're down there with people that are complaining and they're part of that, you know, what do they call it? The itty bitty shitty committee, right? The one that runs <laughs> in your head. And the, That's so true. You're never going to get out of it. And for me, I just had a desire to get to the other side. That was the burning desire. So know where you want to go. Where do you want to go? Because you'll get there. Sure. If you have a real vision of where you want to be, it's hard to get places where you don't know where you're going. 
Yeah, exactly. So finding that vision and finding a dream of where you want to be. And I think, you know, we talk about that in our professional lives about we have this vision of where we want to be professionally in two years, three years, five years, 10 years, whatever. But we don't always do that same thing personally and relationally. We don't look at our relationships and say, what kind of relationship do I want to be in in two years? You know, and sometimes people are in really hard relationships. I mean, seriously, not good ones. And finding time, really, to get real clear with yourself on where you want to be in two years. Yeah. One of the biggest things that helped me was I learned how to meditate. That was the big help. One of my my best friend said, you know, she had gone through a tough time and she said, do transcendental meditation, you know, TM. And I went, and I went and learned it. And that was really hard, but I'll tell you, it made all the difference. It was amazing. It does some amazing things for your brain. We were so created to meditate and pray to be healthy. That's so true. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else about that experience that you want to share with anybody else? Any other words of wisdom before I move on to some other stuff? I guess what I would say is whatever you focus on, you get more of. Mm. So focus on the positive and you will get more of it because our brains are so powerful. We can move mountains with them. So true. Thank you for that wisdom. So I'm going to ask you, you know, my three questions that I ask everybody on my podcast. I want to ask those questions in a little bit. But before that, I want you to tell us kind of what you do, what how we can get a hold of you, why we would want to get a hold of you and maybe something you're doing right now in your in your professional life that my listeners might want to. Well, the best way to get a hold of me is um, I have a website. It's just my name, RhondaSure.com. But the best way is con- connecting with me on LinkedIn. And um, on LinkedIn, it's just um, R-H-O-N-D-A, middle initial L-S-H-E-R. And, you know, if you just want to jump on a free call and, and have a check it, you know, have an audit of your LinkedIn profile, we can do that. Um, most people are in witness protection on LinkedIn, which means they're superstars and nobody can find them. Yep, that's me. Right. <laughs> we're going to have to have a talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that I'm doing, which is kind of cool, um, is I'm a certified face reader. So I'm going to be putting together a course on how to develop instant rapport with anybody simply by reading faces. So that's going to be very cool. I love that. Now, do you do NLP? I'm actually trained. I'm certified in train the trainer in NLP, but this is it. The face reading is separate from that. Oh, interesting. I thought, I, yeah, I had thought you had, you were certified in NLP. And I, I yeah, think NLP yeah. So I can amazing. tell by somebody's eye movements, whether they're lying, how they're sure. recalling information. That fight's fun. However, the face reading is actually really different. So you can look at somebody and here's an example. Have you ever met anybody and they have a big space between their front teeth? Yes. That person is a risk taker. Now, I can't tell you whether they're going to jump out of an airplane or they're going to, um, you know, be risky in the stock market, but they're generally going to be a risk taker. So your your face tells you all kinds of things. And I want to be able to share that because it's so much fun to develop rapport. So that's what I'm working on now. I love that. I, I want to hear more about that. So we'll have all that information in the show notes, too. So here are my three questions. I would love to hear a pivotal event that changed you. Well, that was easy. That was a divorce. Okay. I was assuming that, right? It was a divorce. It was absolutely the divorce. Yeah. It changed you. And it's 
fascinating how it changed you. Okay. And so the second one is a person who changed you. A person who changed me. I don't know that there is one person. I would say that it was probably all the community and the people that I met through the Landmark Forum. It wasn't one person. It was a community of people. I love that. I love the community of people thing. That's interesting and a great answer, actually. Um, I think that's probably the answer many people would say it's true for them. Um, okay. A book that changed you. I'm on a mission to get people to a read books. Book. Oh my gosh. Um, in terms of business, I think one of the best books I've ever read is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Jason Selk, S-E-L-K. And it's all about time management. And I think it's, now I'm blanking out on the name, but it's, it's planned tomorrow today. Dr. Jason Selk, something like that. Okay. And the other one that's one of my favorites is actually somebody that I know pretty well, and it's Bob Berg, the Go-Giver. Oh, I've heard about that one. Yeah, Bob is a friend. He actually wrote the foreword on my first book. Oh, that's And he's amazing. Our fathers, our dads went to school together. Oh, that's fun. I'll put both of those in the show notes. So thank you so much again, Rhonda, for sharing your story. And I'm just looking forward to getting to spend some more time with you as well. Thanks for letting me share it. I really appreciate the time we got to spend together. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me today and for my talk with Rhonda. I had such a good time getting to hear her story. So much insight, right? That has come from a lot of painful experiences. But now she is through that period of pain in her life. She's found healing and blessing and vision as she walked through her journey of life now. One of my favorite things that she said, and this is just in passing, was that her six-year experience of being divorced and going through all of that pain that she sees it now as a gift wrapped in sandpaper. I love that visual. My husband just bought a bunch of sandpaper for a project he was building. And it came in the mail the same time as I got some gifts for my grandson's birthday. I imagined wrapping those gifts in sandpaper. These gifts were things that he really wanted. He's going to be so surprised when he gets them, and he will be very excited. But if I wrap them in sandpaper, he might think twice about going through it. He wouldn't want know if he wanted to find out what it was. First of all, the sandpaper wrapping is not attractive. It's not something he would choose or be drawn to. It's hard and it hurts to run your fingers across it. It isn't inviting at all, and it's not nice. Our hard, traumatic, and chaotic experiences in life are often like that. They are sandpaper experiences. They are ugly and painful, and it can create scars. We don't know what's in the package, and as we're opening the gift, going through the hard times, we really can't even imagine that it's worth it. And most of the time, we don't even know that it's a gift inside at all. But when we get to the other side, when we've torn through all that sandpaper, we get to see the beauty. Then is when we can appreciate the gift. They are gifts of learning so much about ourselves, our relationships, our future, and the vision of what our life could be. They're gifts of change. It's a huge gift. 
All of the interviews that are coming in this series are about sandpaper-wrapped gifts. I know you're going to love these stories as much as I have. So today, share this podcast with someone who needs it. And if you are the one going through the sandpaper-wrapped experience right now, just take heart. Keep going. Don't stop or give in or give up. On the other side, when you've gone through all that sandpaper, there's an amazing gift and your life will be different and you will be different. Trust me. I know. I'm so glad you joined us. Make sure to subscribe so you can get all the episodes and you can help support our podcast by clicking the support button in the show notes or going to our website, essentiallybetterlife.com. Follow me on social at Essentially Better Life and check out my website for all kinds of information on business and personal coaching, my book, and even some great stuff on essential oils. Thanks for listening. Blessings and be well, my friends.